Well, it's that time of the year again, church family. We're excited as we come to the end of the year that we have an opportunity once again to, to give a uh, last of the year offering. Uh, this offering, as it was mentioned by uh, John, goes 100% to our Love Lubbock ministry, and it funds that ministry for all of next year. So be in prayer about what the Lord would have you and your family to do at this end of the year offering. Uh, we have a very special missionary with us from South Africa, uh, Kobus uh, Grobler. Please stand, Kobus. Uh, he's uh, from Emmett Ministries in South Africa. And we've supported him for how many years now, Kobus? Lots. 30 plus. 30 plus years we've supported this ministry. He's not even that old yet, but uh, he inherited the ministry. Uh, but hey, he was preaching uh, last Wednesday night. So you see, you missed some great opportunities if you're not coming to midweek service. Uh, and if you want to hear a great accent and a great message, then uh, you're going to want to pull up that message that he preached this past Wednesday uh, night. All right, so we're in a mini-series. Uh, last week, this week, next week, it's called Truth Heist. And uh, we are uh, addressing some hot topics, some controversial issues. And so uh, please fasten your seatbelts uh, for the trip that we're about to take. Uh, hopefully none of you will feel compelled to leave before the message is over. Uh, just hear it out. And then, you know, you don't have to come back afterwards if you don't like it. But hear the whole message. Uh, but first off, something very serious. Um, we want to stand with those of you that find yourself in your own personal crisis related to your own personal convictions on not getting the vaccination. So we here at Trinity want to provide a religious exemption form for those of you that are conscientious objectors to getting the vaccination. Here at Trinity, we're not anti-vaxxers, we're not anti-science, we're not anti-doctors, we're not anti-medicine, we're anti-government telling people what they should or should not inject in their bodies. It's about freedom, it's about freedom. So here's what I need you to do. Uh, I need you to, uh, we're going to have an email address that's going to come up on the screen. I need you to make an official request. And then, sorry for this next step, but this is, this is the world we live in today. We need to verify and validate your membership by attendance, giving, and or service. And if you're not a member yet, then we can't provide this for you yet. But hold on, we have membership classes every once a month on Sunday in the chapel, we'll give you that information, you can come, make it official, but we can't just provide this for attenders, you have to be a member. So this is a great opportunity for you to take that next step uh, if you're in your involvement. So we'll validate your, your involvement, your membership, and then after being approved, we'll send you a PDF form back to you that will be that religious exempt form. And once again, we, we believe this is a matter of, of freedom of choice. Uh, this should be between you, God, and your doctor, if you want to include your doctor, or just you and God. Nobody should mandate and force you to get the vaccination. And, and here's what's happening. I just read this in the news this morning. Uh, the Austrian government has ordered a nationwide lockdown for the unvaccinated. So if you haven't been vaccinated in, 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 in Austria, you are in lockdown. Everybody else can go free, but you're in lockdown. So these are, these are dangerous times, these are serious times, and that's why my message today, I've entitled it Set Free to Live Free, Set Free to Live Free, and we're going to talk about uh, the great truth heist, the robbery of our values, and particularly the value of family last weekend, the value of freedom this weekend, the value of, of faith next, next weekend. But I, uh, I began last weekend with a quote from John Calvin. If you weren't here, I want to give it, share it with you again. He said, the great French theologian, pastor, and reformer, he said, a dog barks when his master is attacked. 
I would be a coward if I saw God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great uh, 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 German pastor, he said, not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. That in and of itself is evil. We talked about Soren Kierkegaard's uh, parable that's attributed to him about uh, some thieves that broke into a jewelry store, and rather than stealing any of the merchandise, what they did is they simply switched the price tags. So the next day, when customers went in, uh, they, get, they couldn't tell what was valuable and what was cheap. Matter of fact, the expensive jewelry had suddenly become cheap, and the costume jewelry, uh, which had been virtually worthless, now suddenly was of great value. And we've seen the, the switching of price tags, the switching of values in our country, and that's why the urgency in this miniseries entitled Truth Heist, uh, Set Free to Live Free. I want to I give you a working definition for freedom because that's what the, the message is about today. Uh, here's a working definition. The state of liberty that results from not being, un, under, not being oppressed or in bondage resulting to no longer or not under the ownership, authority, or in the servitude of another. Freedom. We're going to look at history's greatest emancipation, the greatest moment of freedom in the history of mankind. It's in the book of Exodus, chapter 5. So out of love and respect and esteem for the reading of God's word, please stand to your feet. Beginning in verse 1, here is the word of the Lord. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? And why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with the sword. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we have ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. Holy Spirit, speak truth into our hearts, and may we have the courage to listen and receive it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. In verse 2 of the text that we just read, it says that Pharaoh retorted, he responded, and who is the Lord? And why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh would live to regret that statement. You know, Pharaoh knew all the gods in Egypt, all the false gods in Egypt, thousands of false gods in Egypt. But the one true God he did not know, but he was about to become intimately acquainted with him. After his battle with Yahweh, with the one true living God, Pharaoh and all of Egypt were brought to their knees. Matter of fact, after this historical, actual story unfolded, Egypt was never the same again. In Exodus 7, 5, God responds, When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And I hear the voice of the Spirit saying to the nations of the world and to our nation, the day is coming in the not-too-distant future where everyone will know that Jehovah, Yahweh, is Lord, is God, and is sovereign. And the beauty of this story is that an all-powerful God frees a powerless people 
so that they could worship him as free people. That's the essence of the gospel story, of why Christ came and died on the cross for us, our great liberator from heaven, our heavenly Moses. Christ came and paid the ransom in full and told Satan and all of hell and the bondages of sin, God through Christ said, let my people go that they might worship me. There's nothing like freedom. You could be bound on the outside but free on the inside, or you could, be free, you could be bound on the inside and free on the outside. It's better to be free on the inside and bound on the outside. As many of our fellow Christians that are a part of the persecuted church, they are in oppressive uh, countries around the world, and they're being persecuted for their faith. They're, they don't have external freedom, but they have internal freedom. Unlike so many Americans today where we have external freedoms that are being taken from us, and yet we are internally bound inside. Moses gave a great demand to Pharaoh, let my people go. And that phrase has echoed in thousands of protests for thousands of years. It's really a jubilee cry, which is found in Leviticus 25.10, where it says, proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all the inhabitants. You see, true freedom, true freedom, the true understanding of freedom always comes from God. Not just any God, but the one true God, the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the story of Exodus is unprecedented in the annals of human history. The Hebrew people, the Hebrew people who would eventually call themselves Jews, they entered Egypt some 400 years prior to this moment here in the book of Exodus, and they were 70 strong. Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, uh, went to Egypt God sent him there providentially beforehand. A great famine uh, came to that region of the world. And Jacob and his entire clan, 70 in total, had to come to Egypt. 400 years later, they grew to 600,000 men, not including women and children. It says in Exodus 12, 37, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children besides women, which basically means there was close to 2.4 million Jews that were delivered out of 400-plus years of bondage. Just an incredibly remarkable story that's recorded for us there in the book of Exodus. That actually, that story has been the anthem, has been the inspiration for uh, God-driven revolutions from that time till now. People fighting and striving for freedom. Matter of fact, the founding of our nation, contrary to what's being uh, distorted and taught today, uh, is that the pilgrims came to the United States of America for the expression of religious freedom so that they could freely worship God. And that has been the anthem in the hearts of mankind the world over, that people at the end of the day, they want their freedom, their freedom to worship God. So the power of this story is an all-powerful God frees a powerless people from the most powerful kingdom in the world at that time so that these powerless people could worship God as free people. Nothing compares to this story, and we have the Jewish nation to thank for that. Hendrik Hein uh, from Germany once said, since the Exodus, freedom has spoken with a Hebrew accent. Oh, I tell you what, the, the Jewish people, they have taught us the essence and the heart of what it means to be free. And once again, ultimate freedom comes from God. After the Exodus, uh, as Jonathan Rabbi Sachs, a great 
theologian, Jewish theologian, he says, the world has never been the same. The contagion of freedom has been released. And, to the, and from that day till this day, from the exodus of the Jewish people to today, the contagion of freedom has been released in the world. And if it happened once, it can happen again and again and again. So basically, all dictators and all tyrants have been put on notice that you can't stop the movement of freedom. I remember in 1989 when um, I had only been a Christian for nine years, and I remember when communism fell. But literally, it seemed like from one day to the next. I, I never thought in my lifetime I would see the fall of communism, but it happened. And like dominoes, it just, it just spread throughout, uh, throughout that part of the world. You see, there is a hunger and a desire in people to be free. I'm praying, I'm believing the day will come when North Koreans will be free. When our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in China will be free uh, from the stronghold of communist socialist regimes uh, like the one in China right now. That we need to pray that people all around the world, people in the Middle East could be free to worship Jesus, to worship God without the fear of being in prison, tortured, or killed. And we say, Lord, let it happen. And if it happened once, it can happen again. And that's why in America we must not take our freedoms for granted. The greatest enemy of freedom is freedom itself, and we must continue to fight and defend those freedoms. In the story of the Exodus, the main protagonist and antagonist is not, it's not Moses and Pharaoh. It's Jehovah God against the false gods of Egypt, and we know how the story ends. We know who won in the end. And that gives us great hope. That gives you great hope today. If you're sitting here and you're in your own battle, Whatever that battle may be, maybe a battle for your soul, the battle for your sanity, the battle for your emotions, the battle for a relationship, the battle for your marriage, the battle for your children, the battle for your business, the battle, whatever battle you're in, hallelujah, if God is for you, who could be against you? I love what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 31. Let's read it out loud together. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? The battle is the Lord's, hallelujah. And there's no greater example of liberty from oppression than the story of Exodus. And if it happened once, it can happen again and again and again, and it has happened. Somebody once said, a, a famous atheist once said, give me proof that God exists. And a great rabbi theologian said, I'll give you proof that God exists in two words, the Jews. You want to know that God exists? Just look at the Jewish nation. Something so remarkable happened not only in the book of Exodus, but after this ragtag bunch of 70 entered Egypt, 400 years they left, 600,000 men, plus women and children, 2.4 million, they became a nation in one day, basically. They left Egypt. They became their own independent nation. God was their king, and they became a powerhouse in the known world. Because of their sin and rebellion against God, they were dispersed and sent into captivity. Matter of fact, when Jesus, our Lord and Savior, God in human flesh, arrived on the scene 2,000 years ago, Jerusalem was under, and the Jews were under the tyranny of Rome. They had lost their freedom. Rome was in charge. Rome was in control. And Christ came at the, at the fullness of time to bring a spiritual freedom and a spiritual deliverance to the world. As Christ prophesied, though, 60 years after the resurrection of Christ, the Romans came in and utterly destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. And the Jewish people were dispersed to the nations of the world. They were dispersed for 2,000 years. And then May 14, 1948, a miracle happened. The Jewish, the Jewish people came back to the Holy Land, 
And in one day, a nation was born, and now they are one of the greatest superpower nations in the world. And they have distributed and have had the greatest religious influence of any nation at any time that's ever existed. God is behind the Jewish people, for they are his chosen people, and we must continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for the Jews, that their eyes would be opened, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Christ as Messiah. Freedom. Freedom is attainable with God because with God all things are powerful. And once again, the story of Exodus that's been repeated time and time again can be repeated in your own life and in our own times and in our own circumstances and situations we find ourselves in, that an all-powerful God came down to aid an utterly powerless people and delivered them from a supreme power, the, the power of Egypt, and liberated them for their sake, for God's glory, and for the sake of humanity. Freedom. Once again, the state of liberty that results from not being oppressed or in bondage, resulting in no longer or not under the ownership authority or in the servitude of another. But we know it's not just freedom without constraint. It's not just absolute freedom. We understand that freedom cannot be absolute. Freedom must be bound by the laws of nature and nature's God. Freedom must be restricted by moral and social constraints, or else it's no longer freedom. It becomes anarchy. So whether it's in your family, your marriage, parents raising children, between spouses, between friends, in churches, we must always respect the personal autonomy, the personal uniqueness and individuality of every human soul, of every human life created in the image and likeness of God. We must respect personal freedoms. We must respect each person's, to the extent that we can, as parents we are responsible to our children and for our children until they become adults. But we must still, as much as possible, guard and protect their personal privacy and their personal autonomy within reason. Because God created us to be free people. And it's God that's the defender of freedom. And right now in America... America's in a crisis. It's a crisis of freedom. And we as the church must understand that we are in a new social civil war. We must understand what's happening so that we can know how to pray, so that we could know how to influence, how to vote, how to get involved, and how to continue to fight the good fight motivated by love. St. Augustine, they say, is the second most important Christian that's ever lived outside of the Apostle Paul. St. Augustine of Hippo, he had a concept about nations. He said, a nation must be understood, must be assessed by what they love supremely. Listen carefully. By what they love supremely, rather than by such factors as size, population, strength of their armies, and their economy. A country is known and defined by what they love supremely. Guess what America loves supremely in one word, represented by that flag. Say it with me. It's like William Wallace said in the famous movie Braveheart, freedom! I mean, who doesn't get chills at that final scene in in that movie, right? Because what we're fighting for is not just our freedom, but the freedom of our children, our children's children, and freedom must be defended. Os Guinness said, in particular, America's freedom is a unique concept of ordered freedom that is the legacy of the Hebrew Scriptures and of the Hebrew Covenant in in particular. The present crisis of freedom, therefore, goes to the very heart of the American Republic and all that the American experiment stands for. You see, friend, America has gone through three great conflicts in the history of our nation, 
And we, once again, we need to be informed as Christians, and that's why we're talking about this in this sermon today. America has gone through three great conflicts, and currently we are going through a fourth great conflict. Now, in the message, I'm about to take a hard right. We're going 75 miles an hour down the interstate. Hope your seatbelt's on because we're going to take a hard right, so hold on, and, and here we go. In their classic book, Generations, William Strauss and Neil Howey identified a cyclical pattern of renewal and change in American society. Each cycle cuts across four generations and ends with a transformative conflict which begins the next cycle. Three such conflicts have already occurred in American history, the American Revolution, the American Civil War, and the Great Depression of World War II. We are now in a fourth, a fourth American transformative generational conflict, and it is the second American Civil War. We are in a social American Civil War. And notably, it appears to be following the trajectory laid out by Strauss and Howey in their 1997 book, The Fourth Turning, if you want further information on that. The Second American Civil War, that's what we're experiencing right now. That's why statues are being torn down and American history is trying to be rewritten. And the very structures that have made America great are crumbling before our very eyes. It's given rise to a new breed of social warriors who, listen to me very carefully, are anti-freedom, anti-biblical, and anti-Christian in their beliefs. Now, every revolution has its own philosophy, ideology, and even language. And this revolution is no different. There was a phrase that was used for the very first time in 1962. It appeared in a New York Times essay, and it was the word woke, W-O-K-E. It originally meant conscious and aware. But now there is a new term that's become popular over the last couple of months, really, uh, last 24 months, uh, called wokeism. And what is wokeism? Basically, it's defined as such, following an intolerant and moralizing ideology. We have woke industries rising up all around us, industries that are becoming woke, churches that are becoming woke. Basically, they're following an intolerant and moralizing ideology. And it has confusing terms such as this that's being taught in universities, intersectionality. What is intersectionality? It's a theory primarily focused on the intersection of race and gender as a framework to show how systems of patriarchy and racism oppress minorities. Do you even understand what that means? Right? But these are the terms, and they basically all fall under an overarching philosophy known as, and you've heard it, critical theory. What is the concept of the philosophy of critical theory? It's basically this, friend. Grievance studies based on socialist views, which are anti-freedom, anti-biblical, and anti-Christian. Let me give you an example of critical theory. According to critical theory, even beliefs such as truth, objectivity, and persuasion are instruments of power that are used by the privileged. If you are on the side of power, you must check your privilege and if someone you're talking to is on the side of the oppressed, you must never speak, simply listen. It's an effort by which free speech is silenced in America. The words of the oppressed are their truth and therefore true regardless of facts or reality. 
those who are not politically correct will soon find themselves silenced and or canceled. You must believe the unbelievable, agree with the disagreeable, or remain silent, or you will suffer the consequences, personally, professionally, or socially. And so just like the Great Awakening, which occurred in in 1730s, led by Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and the great preachers of the first great awakening. It led to the American Revolution of 1776. So the current radicals hope that their great awakening today will lead to the second American Revolution and fulfill their revolutionary goals, namely the overthrow of the American way, which includes removal from our Christian roots in all forms of capitalism. It is the introduction of Marxism because, friend, there's nothing new under the sun. And current success of the advocates of cultural Marxism and critical theory are now posing serious threats to freedom and to democracy, to our understanding of humanity and to Western civilization itself. Consider this. The progressive left has already transformed America in striking ways. In what way, Pastor Carl? It's creating one-party universities, one-party newsrooms, one-party tech media companies, and one-party states like California. And now there's this effort to defund police departments across the United States of America. Have we lost our collective minds and intelligence? I believe right now we are suffering. We are so old as a nation, we are now suffering from cultural dementia. We need to get our minds back and our thinking back and our way of life back, and we need to stand for freedom because ultimate freedom comes from God. The anti-freedom pro-socialism creeds have one common thread, victimization. One common thread, we are victims. Matter of fact, they cry, we are oppressed. You see them on, on the news, you see them on social media. These young people, we are oppressed. While they hold their $1,000 Apple phones in one hand and they're sipping their ice risotto 10-shot venti with brie, five-pump vanilla, seven-pump caramel, four-splenda-poured, not-shaken drink. (laughs) Only in America can that happen. Listen, friend, America has afforded more opportunities for more minorities than any other country in the history of the world, and that's why people by the tens of thousands are trying to break into the United States of America, why people from all over the world would love to have the same opportunity that you had. If you were born in America or you live in America, you have no excuse whatsoever. Love God, work hard, and you will succeed. This is still the land of of opportunity. <laughs> and I know I'm making some people mad. I, that's my job sometimes. That's just, that's just my job sometimes. But let me tell you something. Lest anyone, anyone accuse me of white privilege, I'm not white. I'm Italian. <laughs> my grandfather and grandmother came from Italy. I just did uh, Ancestry.com and my mother. She's 48 from Spain. 48% of my mom's family is from Spain and 28% from Mexico. I'm anything but white privilege, but I am proof. If you will love God, work hard, this is a land of freedom and a land of opportunity. You can succeed. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. 
Now, there are people that are truly oppressed in our country, and our hearts break. That's why we have our church. That's why we, the church I came out of in Albuquerque, we started on the Indian Reservation in 1980 with a handful of Native Americans, and we preached the gospel to them, and we saw Jesus set them free from drug addiction, from alcoholism. We saw Jesus restore their lives, restore their marriages, restore their families. We had people that started coming to our church. They were dope addicts, and they were drunkards. They got saved, filled the Holy Spirit. They became truck drivers, and then they ended up owning their own trucking company. I want you to know God can change a life. He could take a nobody and make them into a somebody. You could be off the bottom looking up, but God can raise you up and give you joy unspeakable and full of glory if you'll simply allow it. I've seen it. We've worked with the oppressed in our church, what we do through Love Lubbock. Yes, there are truly oppressed people that live in the inner cities, in every city, and many of them are suffering. You know why? Because of absentee fathers. Not because of some government, uh, uh, you know, government project failing them. It's because their father failed them. Not because society failed them, because their dad walked out on them. And we love them, and we want to help them. We want to, we want to go in there, and we want to provide education and support and encouragement. We want to do our part as a church. Absolutely. But let's talk about the real problem. It's the breakdown of the family. And for the family members that, that are, these children are being raised, many of those family members, and we love them, God can help them. They're, they're strung out on drugs, or they're, they're addicted to alcohol. And if we could correct that, I'll tell you what, we've seen it. Maybe it's been, you've seen it in your own life. Maybe you've seen it in your own family. There's nothing God can't do. He could walk into any situation and the voice of the Lord could say, let my people go. No matter how powerless you are right now, no matter how powerful the system may be against you, God, if God is for you, who could be against you? There's hope in Christ. Turn to Christ with all of your heart and watch what God will do. He'll change your life from the inside out. I want to quote Os Guinness, and this will come up on the screen. It's in your notes. He said this, The danger for individuals is that those who portray themselves as victims eventually perceive themselves as victims and then paralyze themselves as victims. When it comes to groups, those who wish to identify themselves as victims end up by becoming instruments for the political purposes of others, thereby compounding their dependency and victimhood. Freedom. America, it's called the Great American Experiment because our founding fathers didn't know how long freedom could last. And it's teetering now before our very eyes. America is the greatest experiment of freedom of any nation over the past 2,000 years. Nothing has ever come close, friend. And the greatest declaration of that freedom was the American Declaration of Independence. I, re I reread that document this past week. It it's almost seems as though it's divinely inspired by heaven. It's an amazing document, published in 1776. Now, America has her sins. We're not fooling anybody. That document did not apply to all people at the time that it was, it was written. Men like William Wilberforce, an attorney, Christian, motivated to see men and women be free of slavery, both in England and in America, rebuked many of our founding fathers because they were not going to apply the Declaration of Independence for all people living in America. Yes, many of them were slave owners. But that wrong, that wrong was made right during the Civil War. And 700,000 lives were lost in a battle so that all people in America 
could be free because nobody should be looked down on and nobody should be discriminated and nobody should be treated differently because of the color of their skin, because of their ethnicity. It was a sin then, and it's still a sin today, any form of racism. But the battle wasn't over. It took a great American hero, Martin Luther King Jr., to say, yes, white men and black men are free, but they're not treated equally. And there was a, an injustice that needed to be corrected, and so there was the Civil Rights Movement. What I love about Martin Luther King Jr., he was not motivated by hate. He stood up before this nation, and he captured our attention because he spoke messages and gave speeches and preached sermons like none other in the history of our country. And it galvanized the nation because he stood up, and he didn't say, I have a grievance. He stood up and he said, I have a dream. And thank God that dream has become a reality. Have we wiped out racism? No. You know why you will never wipe out racism? Because it exists in the hearts of, of men and women. And all the laws of the, in the land cannot change the heart of a man or the heart of a heart of a woman. But the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the heart of a man and the heart of the woman and can take out the hatred, the prejudice, and the evil. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. So we have a long way to go. But when people stand up and say America is a racist nation, they don't know what they are saying. I want to quote a great American, he, 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 a great American hero, Frederick Douglass. He was a former slave who became a social reformer, abolitionist, orator, writer, and statesman. And get what? Get, get this. He was pro-U.S. Constitution. It became the lens. The Constitution became the lens through which he would advocate for the freedom and the natural rights of all people, African Americans and women. And in 1860, Douglas, Frederick Douglass, systematically goes through the supposedly pro-slavery clause of the Constitution and he demolishes the argument that the Constitution is pro-slavery. And Douglas begins with a strong statement that the Constitution is a Newtonian document with immutable principles rather than a living Constitution that can mean whatever the interpreter wants it to mean. Douglas starts by asserting in this famous speech that the framers purposefully avoided the mention of slavery in the Constitution, and I'm quoting him now, it, is so, it so happens that no such words as African slave trade, no such words as slave representation, no such words as fugitive slaves, no such words as slave insurrections are anywhere used in that instrument. These are not the words of the Constitution of the United States. And then, as Abraham Lincoln said that same year at his Cooper Union address, Paraphrasing James Madison at the Constitutional Convention, here's what Abraham Lincoln said. Neither the word slave nor slavery is to be found in the Constitution. And that what, wherever in that instrument the slave is alluded to, he is called a person. Because all men were created, created equal under God with unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And as the great Frederick Douglass said, it wasn't that the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution failed black America. It was the politicians that failed. But because of those documents being divinely inspired, as I believe and many believe that they were, it ultimately allowed freedom for all men, for all women, for all children, for all time. It is one of the greatest Magna Cartas of freedom the world has ever seen outside of the story of Exodus.
And America is still a sinful nation because it's led by sinful people. We're all sinful people. The great evil of today is not slavery. It's not racism. And when we find it, like an NBA owner makes a racist comment, the NBA says, you cannot be an owner. They force him to sell the team because any time true racism is found, anywhere in America, we don't tolerate it. We will find it, we will uproot it, and we will send it on its way because we don't go there as a nation. But we see what's happening right now in America. The false accusations, the rewriting of history, it is a Marxist, listen to me, it is a Marxist socialist revolution. And why we as a church stand against it is because it's anti-freedom, it's anti-biblical, and ultimately it's anti-Christian. And if you would like me to bring more messages that completely lay that out in an undeniable way, I, I'm more than happy to do that. Last night I had one of our members that came up to me. He came up to me and said, Pastor Carl, I need to let you know something. I said, what is it? He said, my girlfriend and I broke up this week. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, why'd you guys break up? He said, because of your message last Sunday. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks. Sorry to hear that. He said, but it was a good thing. We've just disagreed on certain things, important things. And we just, finally it came to a head. She, she walked out last Sunday <laughs> from what you were preaching. And uh, we just felt it's, it's time to go our separate ways. I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry. You know? And here's what I'm sorry about. I'm sorry that his girlfriend says she's a Christian. So how, how can we be Christians and not agree to disagree without becoming disagreeable or, or, or not having a fallout? St. Augustine said, in the essentials, we have to have unity. In the essentials, there, there are non-negotiable truths of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we must agree upon if we're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ. So in the essentials, we have unity. But in the non-essentials, we have liberty. Which means what? You might be for the vaccination or against the vaccination, but we can still walk in love with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. You might be for masks or against masks, you know, but how many know those that wear masks shouldn't look down on those that don't wear masks? Those that don't wear masks shouldn't look down at those that do wear masks. Those that are vaccinated should look and look down at those that aren't vaccinated. How many know in the essentials we have unity, but in the non-essentials we have liberty, but in all things we must show charity. I love talking to people that disagree with me. And I, and I value them, and I, and I love them, and I sincerely appreciate, you know, as long as you make a good, coherent uh, defense for what you believe, I can respect that. It's okay if you want to be wrong. I, I'll, I'll love you anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we've come to a place now where we're so divided as Americans, and it's a shame. So in closing, three thoughts, three takeaways. The first one is this, freedom is from God. That, that's what I hope you walk away with more than anything else. Freedom started in, in, in Exodus, and it's been ringing throughout the ages in every country, in all people, and it came from the Hebrews and from the Hebrew God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Freedom comes from God, not from government, not from man but from God. And you can experience freedom in your own life through Christ. Number two, freedom can be lost. It can be lost, but it can be regained. Even as the story of the Jewish people teach us that for 2,000 years they were dispersed in all the nations of the world, and yet they still thrived as a people. And on May 14, 1948, a miracle happened. They became a sovereign nation 
once again. Freedom can be lost and it can be regained. But because freedom comes from God and freedom can be lost, number three, child of God, freedom must be defended. It must be defended. So what's your part in the defense of freedom? It's to engage in conversation. I, I read in the news that the holidays, that, 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 that during Thanksgiving and Christmas, families are divided based on those vaccinated, those that are not vaccinated. Families are actually telling other family members, don't come over for the holidays if you're not vaccinated. Really? If you believe in the vaccination, all right, aren't you protected? I mean, what's this like two class, two tier people? And I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying that you should be against it or for it. I'm not anti-science. I've got two scientists on my board of elders. The, the, the documentation is there. It, it, it is helpful. It is useful. We're not saying don't get it. We're saying that should be your choice, and no one should judge you otherwise, whether you get it or you don't get it. It's between you, God, and your doctor. But we can't start treating one another so differently that we can't engage in healthy conversation. So do your part. Do your part to communicate truth in love, some people are, their minds are, it's like concrete the theology. Their minds are thoroughly mixed up and settled, okay? And nothing you say is going to alter or change it. But in love, you should engage anyway. And have these open conversations. And always bring it back to what the Bible says, what God's Word says, what history has shown us, what history has, has proven. And hopefully, you can win some hearts or minds that way. If not, at the end of the day, it's just making sure that you don't lose your heart and your mind in all the chaos, and all the craziness, that craziness that's going on in our world, that you stay rooted and grounded in your faith, you stay anchored to Christ, and you stay anchored to the ultimate truth, the ultimate revelation of God is the Holy Scriptures. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we humbly come before you today, and we just thank you that we have ears to hear and hearts to receive your truth. May my words fall on deaf ears, but may your word what the Spirit was saying through my words today, find a home in the hearts of your people. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And thank you that we can know that freedom. We can experience that freedom here today if we'll surrender our life to Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or you need to rededicate your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. And if you'll say it with your own mouth and mean it from your own heart, the greatest of all miracles will occur in your life today. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you, church family.